I, uh, I spent the day today, uh, well, half of it, uh, working very hard for anyone at work listening and uh, for anyone else uh, watching uh, Director Comey, former Director Comey of the FBI, um, testify about uh, his interactions with Donald Trump. That was entertaining. Yeah, yeah. It all seems completely sane and normal and fine. Totally legit. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what was also legit? United winning the Europa League. Uh, such a long time ago now. Um, but uh, we're sorry that there's not been a podcast before now. Uh, it's been an elaborate series of circumstances, which started with, we couldn't do one straight away, because one of us, one of us, uh, decided at the last minute that they were going to go to Stockholm. Yeah, it was an interesting decision. Uh, my bank manager has uh, phoned me up, said, what the... Uh, not quite... <laughs> But uh, yeah, yeah, I went to Stockholm, um, uh, sat with uh, two very nice chaps uh, who arranged a ticket for me right on the halfway line. Uh, I don't know um, uh, what kind of Faustian pact they, they've got themselves into, but um, uh, it couldn't have been a better seat. I um, I saw the pictures that you took and I was like, wait a minute, these are the exact pictures that we're seeing on television. He must be sitting exactly like at the right, at the exact same angle as the... Uh... No, I was just taking pictures of my TV. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it was uh, it was good fun. Um, so I, because uh, I did it so late, I had a rather convoluted route. Uh, via Copenhagen on the way out, um, and via Riga on the way back. Isn't Riga further away than Stockholm? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're going sort of the wrong way. This is like the first sort episode of... of season four of Silicon Valley, isn't it? Where... Yeah. <laughs> um... <laughs> um, yeah, uh, but, uh, you know, apart from, like, you know, lengthy travel, uh, it was great fun. So what did you do when you hit Stockholm? What was your first port of call? Uh, go check in, then I went to the fan zone, um, uh, which was, much like the song, Thousands of Reds, uh, getting slowly more inebriated uh, throughout the day. Um, was there any... This is kind of a strange question, I guess, but was there a, a different atmosphere than you would have expected? Obviously, it took on such a such an intense vibe um, because of everything that had happened in Manchester just immediately before that, that felt like... I don't know, it felt like the weight of the world was on, on United's shoulders in a way. Was there, was there any sense of that before the game in the, among the fans? I, I actually, I didn't get that sense. No, I, I wondered whether the atmosphere might be quite subdued. But, um, you know, I don't know, I guess uh, alcohol at uh, 11 or £12 pounds ago still manages to do the job. I guess there's, um, there's a certain defiance, isn't there? Like, there was, yeah, of course, there's a certain defiance and, uh, you know, you, you'll have caught that with uh, many of the songs actually at the ground as well, mm. you know. So, um, yeah, f- for sure, but I don't think it really subdued the atmosphere in a way I, I wondered whether it might. Mm. Uh, but it didn't, you know, everyone was in good spirits. Um, it's a beautiful sunny day. Stockholm's a beautiful city. Uh, everyone's really friendly. They'd arranged a whole street to be um, cordoned off for the, the fan zone. Um, I mean, it was just a, a street with people drinking in it, you know, <laughs> but uh, just in one part of town, right next to the transport to get to the ground. It's a nice, 
ground, a bit sterile, you know, uh, as all, many of these modern grounds are. But, um, yeah, it was, all, you know, all very well organised. Uh, couldn't get any transport back out afterwards. Um, I know a few people did, but uh, uh, ended up walking most of the way back into town. But uh, there were a lot of other Reds doing that too. So, you know, like all in all, great, great organisation, good atmosphere. Um, I tell you what, the only thing that was really weird, United were given the trophy no, and I was expecting fireworks, ticker tape, you know, the thing that UEFA do. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there was none of that. I lifted the trophy, all the IX players buggered off, and I was, I was like, oh, right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, of course, you know, um, being where I was sat, I wasn't actually where they were celebrating because they went down to the the main United fans section. Although they were all United fans around me, really. But, um, uh, yeah, but yeah, wait until everyone got off the pitch and then it was like, okay, home then. Was it that's the first time you've seen United lift a European trophy in person, right? It is, yeah. I've missed all the others for various reasons, you know, um, university work, family, uh, which was a shame, really, you know, because there's been some bigger ones than this one, uh, for sure. But uh, in the history of United, uh, have only lifted five European trophies, so you know, there you go, yeah. And I, I, I guess that kind of you know, it's, doing this a couple of weeks out is interesting because the details of the match have slightly faded, and you get a that there's a disadvantage to that because we can't. I mean, the analysis that we could offer about the specifics of the match, which we we will talk about, you know, that becomes slightly less relevant. But you do have a a, a bit of a sense of perspective. It still feels to me like a really big deal that United won the Europa League this season. I mean, obviously, the whole season was poised on it, so it's a big deal in that sense. But but even just in and of itself, as an achievement, when you enter a European competition at the beginning of the season, winning it is always a big deal. Absolutely. And and uh, I guess, look, the narrative has changed there a little bit, hasn't it? Because uh, actually, at the beginning of the season, I'm not sure... Mourinho or definitely the players were really taking it that seriously. You know, some very poor performances to start the Europa League campaign felt quite flat, uh, felt like a third choice trophy to go after. But um, of course, it became more and more important and and critical by the time the final came around because Mourinho had staked all on it, you know, including um, taking a very ununited decision to basically play out the last four games of the season uh, in very a very defensive mindset. Um, trying to rest players so you know it, it became very critical but it is it is big it might be the second tier European trophy but not that many teams win European trophies and United haven't won that many in 140 years of history yeah so um so it is big I mean for the game the game was weird because it was ugly really ugly mm. and uh, I you know I, it didn't it didn't um it didn't affect the atmosphere as such because, I mean, the Ajax fans have a great voice. They, I think they outsung United. So, um, but, um, uh, you know, so it was a good atmosphere. Um, but it was a strange match to watch because um, United had hardly had any possession. When they did have it, it went really long. It was ugly football. The pass success rate is down in the 60s. Um, they basically used um, Marin Fellaini in the only position he's actually any good. And he had a very good game uh, because that's the only position he's any good yeah. in. Just bang it long at him in this kind of weird false nine, number 10 position. Um, and uh, But it was very, very effective tactics. I have to say all the, all the tactical stuff we talked about before the game, the one thing I didn't pick um, was that, um, that Mourinho would try and negate the Ajax press by going long. I didn't think that would happen. 
and I was talking about, you know, he should play Carrick in order to outpass Ajax. Um, but he obviously didn't believe that United could do that and negated it in a completely different way. It's really interesting, the whole, the whole kind of, how history will look back at, at the Mourinho gamble. Well, obviously, history, as they say, is written by the winners, so it will look back at the Mourinho gamble as a, as a profoundly successful move in his first season in charge, um, because in the end, it all paid off. And I guess part of the reason that he was prepared to make that gamble was because of the extent to which he backed himself to win the final. Because Jose Mourinho just does that, doesn't he? He just wins finals. And and in the end, United's tactical system worked pretty much to perfection. Like, Ajax were, not only were they, that was their press negated, but they had 70% of possession in the game, basically. And did hardly anything with it. Like, their shot numbers were quite big by the end of the game, but in terms of, like, effective shots or or yeah. working dangerous openings, like... This is one of those games where the reality and the data don't seem to match up very well. Yeah. 17 shots, um, three on target. Well, were they really profligate? No, they barely had any decent chances, <laughs> except for, you know, a couple, right? Um, uh, tons and tons of possession. And, uh, you know, what it looked like was uh, Manchester United 2015-2016 versus Manchester United 2016-2017, <laughs> didn't it? Well, they did say um, there were all these rumours going around that Louis van Gaal had been, like, um, helping Peter Bosch with, like... Man United's weaknesses and tactical help with Ajax's game plan. It did definitely look like that. Maran Fellaini, you mentioned, had a, an excellent game. United won a total of 21 aerial duels in that game, of which 14, so two-thirds, were won by Maran Fellaini. Um, Chris Smalling next in the charts with five, which just shows you the extent to which lump it long to Fellaini was the was the genuine order of the day. Yeah, it was, and as a result, Rashford had a very poor game. I thought not. I mean, he barely had the ball. I, I'm not quite sure how many times he touched it, but I bet it wasn't very many. Um, and United just never played it into any of the channels that would um, use his running until the end, where they they started knocking it into the corners, and he was just chasing after it. Uh, Matter found it hard to get into the game as well. Um, I mean, obviously Mkhitaryan scored, but I don't think he had a great game, honestly. Apart from that, you know. Well, I, I've, I there was a lot of discussion about Mkhitaryan's performance because. Um, uh, like basically the general consensus on on social media watching it on telly was that the only players that you could say had a bad game in United's side was were Rashford and Mkhitaryan and I think and Mkhitaryan scored a wonder goal basically and Rashford was basically kicked out of the game every time he had the ball as well I thought the referee was very very poor in his in his protection of Rashford in particular um but I actually think Mkhitaryan did quite a lot of work defensively like he did he did struggle when United had the ball but it seemed like he was very positionally disciplined and he did a lot of what Mourinho would have what I guess what Mourinho would have presumably wanted him to do in terms of defensive organisation all that sort of stuff. Oh, yeah, um, he did. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's what United were there to set up to do, to uh, concede possession and then um, uh, go long um, when possession broke down. And it worked very well. It worked exactly as Mourinho wanted and he did, you know, his reaction to that was exactly... As you would have thought it, you know, <laughs> all, all mm-hmm. these sort of old arrogance came back, and um, and you know, I, I guess what everyone is thinking is 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 this the platform, right? It has to be the platform. We can't have another season like we've just had. 
Um, I mean, I guess we'll come to a sort of ratings and more wars and all that kind of stuff later. But, uh, you know, that was a means to an end, surely. If if mm. that's the end and always the means, then um, I wonder how uh, much United fans will tolerate it uh, for how long. Um, or, or maybe we've been so attuned to losing for the last three years that any kind of success is, is an opiate. We'll see. Uh, word for Under Herrera, six tackles completed, just classic Under Herrera. The, the man has been transformed by Mourinho and it's really working. But also uh, a, a player who has uh, repeatedly been accused of not turning up in the big games uh, at United this season with some justification, but a little much of a, a broad brushstroke. And that is Paul Labille Pogba, who opened the scoring with a clear wonder goal. He definitely meant it to bounce off the defender and spawn into the back of the net. Um, <laughs> but, but yes, he's overall fortunate, very, very fortunate on that one. But, uh, you know, you don't, you don't, you don't take the shots, you don't score the goals, I suppose. You miss 100% of the chances you don't take as they say. Um, that's right. But uh, Pogba just misses 100% of his shots. No, that's not true. It's not true. Um, it was lovely to see him play so well and be the man for United in this game. Um, it was it was a really enjoyable experience watching that play out. I think United hugely benefited from the times at which the ball went, uh, the goals were scored. So... I think United were really on top for the first few minutes of the game. And Ajax had slightly found that they looked really shook, Ajax did. They looked like the, the big stage was kind of too much for them. They were misplacing a lot of simple passes and stuff. Um, and United were, were on them in the first few minutes. And it was after... And, and basically Ajax had slightly crept back into the game when Pogba scored. And that really deflated them. They then kind of built another head of steam towards the end of the first half. And they would have been so gutted when Mkhitaryan scored that absolutely brilliant goal right at the beginning of the second half. Yeah, and game over then. I mean, it's not like United were about to concede a whole bunch of chances. They definitely weren't. It was a, That was about then um, not taking too many risks. And... Uh, it, it look, it's not the class, no one's classic final, this, and uh, Mourinho will care not one bit. Um, and of course, you know, I think all, all the fans there and watching on the telly would have wanted this to be a, a brilliant performance, attacking performance. United um, making a statement saying we're back in the big time because, you know, back in the Champions League now, proper. Um, showing the elite uh, around Europe that we're back and all the players that we want to sign that we're back to. So not not quite that, uh, but, 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 you know, it's that platform thing again, isn't it? Um, just to make a quick point about that, I mean, it's not quite that, but then you could also say, well, we were just in a European final, which we never looked in any danger of doing anything other than winning. Right, so absolutely. You, you, can ta- you can kind of like separate the stylistic argument from that, really, because United just bossed, um, basically, apart from the second leg against Celta Vigo, basically bossed their whole Europa League campaign from the moment at which they decided it mattered anything to them. Um uh, a word for though uh, in in a completely another note a player that i was very worried about before this game well a, a, a selection of players united's entire back four were outstanding i thought both blint and smalling absolutely magnificent at centre back particularly chris smalling uh, and both full backs even mateo damian uh, played just 
was played superbly. I thought it was a, a really assured performance from the back four. Yeah, it was. I mean, I have to say, if I was looking at it from an Ajax perspective, I'd have been pretty disappointed. You know, all all the talk of all their attacking players, Dolberg, totally, totally absent. Um, uh, Traore barely touched the ball. Class uh, and uh, number ten, no influence whatsoever. So um, I was pretty disappointed in them. I think the thing that was most interesting is Ajax had no response. I just couldn't change it up at mm. all. You know, it, it's not like United's tactics were. Yeah, you could. I mean, about thirty seconds in, you could spot the tactics and see how the, the match was going to go, and um, they didn't change anything at all. Uh, in order to counter that, um, which was pretty surprising, got to say. I mean, you know, a manager, Peter Boss, is, is rated pretty highly. He's gone to Borussia Dortmund. Big, big step up for him. Now, you know, they pick good coaches, generally speaking. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and, and on the big stage, they, they froze, didn't they? Or they didn't change anything to change the pattern of the game in the second half. And it, it did look... Kind of like men against boys, didn't it? I mean, physic physically, yeah, absolutely. You know, were, yeah. uh, the, the maybe the the one exception to that uh, was was the Ajax centre backs, um, very very young, both excellent in that game. Like hardly put. A yeah, foot and wrong. S- Sanchez very physical and and light looks a very. I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right there. Um, but um, he looks a very very good player, very young. But uh, I think he might might. Might be a top yeah. player. I mean, it's always hard to project out from 17, isn't it? But, you know, to play that well in a European final, especially one you lose. But yeah, Sanchez did a number on Rashford. Although, as I said, like Rashford was not helped at all by the referee in that game. Um, and and yeah, then it was then it was over. And United won. And, and it was a massive buzz. It goes, you know, it goes on the list with Wembley, uh, Rotterdam... That night in Barcelona, Moscow, and now Stockholm. Right, right. And uh, buys United entry into the Champions League for even bigger nights to come. And the European Super Cup coming Have up you followed in them on Slovenia or somewhere? <laughs> Macedonia. Uh, it's in Macedonia, and I know this because I was looking at flights. And uh, I looked at flights like as, as basically as the final whistle blew. Uh, and they were kind of reasonable. I should have just gone for it because they're not reasonable anymore. Yeah, <laughs> uh, they weren't reasonable going to Stockholm. <laughs> no, but was it worth it? Are you glad? Oh, of course, of course. Yeah. You know, you, you get that absolutely sickening feeling when you spend some really offensive amount of money. I just didn't think about it after that. Yeah. Um, the, the only benefit of spending that much amount of money, um, I appear to have bought a business class ticket on the way back. Um, or at least they let me sit there. Anyway, they're, they're probably like, Mr. Barker, you spent a really offensive money on Air Riga or Air Baltic <laughs> or whatever it was. And uh, normally you'd be fearing for your life. So we're going to get you really drunk, which is exactly what they did. I, I love airlines. They're so process managed. Um, they have to do the same thing. doesn't matter. This was a 40-minute flight from Stockholm to to Riga, in which time I had champagne, uh, two gin and tonics and two red wines and I was reeling <laughs> after 40 minutes. Reeling airlines <laughs> rather than Riga airlines. Uh, yeah. Good, Did you get to stuff. see any of Latvia? Oh, no. I saw the inside of a, a uh, an absolutely dead air and very nice airport, modern, uh, with no people there. Um, I heard that the airport leaving Stockholm was absolute madness on the... 
on the night. Oh, people were going back on the night. I'm sure it was, yeah. Um, oh, you stayed, I stayed over, over yeah, yeah. yeah. Central, Central day, Stockholm oh, yeah. was fun. Um, but, uh, yeah, I... Um, yeah, I stayed overnight. Yeah, I'm sure it was. People getting the flight back. Yeah, because there were a few midnight flights set up, so I didn't. Uh, I didn't risk it. Have you? Um, have you had to deal with any uh, people coming up to you in the street since your uh, your face was leaked on Twitter, Ed? I, I mean, I carry around a pen now just in case, but no, no. It's outrageous. Um, someone recognised me on my way to vote today. Apparently. They could have been making it out, though. You keep campaigners. <laughs> yeah, this is being recorded for the... Uh, the if you still detect a faint hope, a note of hope in our voices, it's because this is being recorded on Thursday night at 9 o'clock uh, and the pain has not fully sunk in yet. Um, or, you know, we've yet to experience the scintillating joy of surprise. That's... Maybe. Who knows? Anyway, um... That's enough politics. The scintillating joy of surprise is that United season in totality, I guess, has to be considered uh, a good season, right? Does it? Well, it's a success in that the goals, the most important goals, win a trophy, major trophy, get into the Champions League have been achieved. So that's a success. Mm-hmm. It, if you were to look at it more holistically than that, I think there's more to it than that. It's, it's Manchester United. There's got to be more to it than that. So the, the major trophies are the two least major ones, I, I suspect, at the beginning of the mm-hmm. season. Um, the, the thing that really counts is performance against peers. You know, I, I'd, on it, sorry to uh, Celta Vigo, Ajax, St. Etienne and the others. I don't think Manchester United would consider those club peers. The ones that really count are City, Liverpool, Chelsea, Arsenal, Spurs, and and we failed on that count. Um, uh, the style of football has got progressively worse throughout the season. Um, the points total and position sixth not acceptable, really. Um, so you know, it's there's a lot of caveats um, uh, on on Mourinho's checklist. Lots of checks, you know, job done. Uh, on on a kind of the the long list of things that United fans might want, yeah, I'm not sure about that. Which which leads it to being a sort of C or B plus season sort of thing, you know. Um, I don't know. But C or B minus, C or B minus sort of season, yeah, sort of six and a half out of ten. Which which sounds ridiculous and spoilt when you say won the League Cup, won the Europa League, uh, and maybe it is ridiculous and spoilt, but um, it, that kind of the style in which it was done, bit of a negative there, though everyone will forget it if United move on. And that's the big thing, isn't it? You know, so maybe this time next season where United have pushed really hard for, a, you know, the Premier League title or won it or something done great in Europe, we'll be going, hey, that was a platform. Last season was actually very good because we were building towards something bigger. Um, so I wrote a list of pros and cons, basically, on the Maxit for uh, when I ended up giving him a B-. minus. So I've got in the cons column, seemed really grumpy for ages and complained loads. Treated Luke Shaw, Anthony Martial and Henrik Mkhitaryan in particular really oddly. We'll come back to that, I guess. Performed dismally against the rest of the top six. Failed to adapt in games when Zlatan wasn't doing the business. Overplayed Paul Pogba. Then in the pros side, won two trophies. Improved the feel-good factor because 
I think there was a substantial period of the season where we did play good football, uh, made a load of brilliant signings, handled the Rooney situation brilliantly, vastly improved a few players, particularly defensive players, made brilliant use of Ander Herrera. Those, that's, those are my big pluses and big, big minuses. Yeah, although... Particularly, when we say particularly defensive players, what we're talking about there is Marcus Rocco, because I'm right, not sure Antonio that Smalling... Valencia? Well, yeah, but he was he was heading in that direction, although maybe that's... Was he? Maybe, maybe yeah. I'm being a hypocrite there. That's, that's probably not yeah. true. Yeah, OK, OK. Yes, OK. Rocco and Valencia, uh, excellent seasons, both of them. Uh, Tweedledum and Tweedledee, not so much. I don't think Phil Jones put a foot wrong on the pitch, did he? He got injured, but what can you think of a significant mistake that Phil Jones no, made? No, no, no. When he played, he was very good against uh, with alongside Rocco in the in the winter, wasn't he? But but you can't rely on him. I mean, honestly, no. If, but that's not the question. The, the, that's not the argument. I agree with you. We, I'm not saying Phil Jones is the answer. I'm saying in terms of Mourinho, I don't think he proved Phil Jones. So Phil Jones has always had bags and yeah. bags of natural talent you know we, we uh, Eric, six years ago Eric, when he joined the club we were talking about how great this player should have been four years ago when Fergie left he was talking about um him being the next Duncan Edwards I mean you know um uh, Eric Bailly, Eric Bailly is, is another player who who he was kind of I mean he's made a few mistakes this season but largely I mean obviously he's an excellent defender but I think you could argue that he's had a better season this season than people would have said he would have had from for Villarreal last season um so and and then Herrera as well so who I don't know if he's had a I guess he's had a better season in totality, but he certainly had a better season defensively. So I, I think if you kind of take I think most of our defenders apart from like Luke Shaw and Chris Smalling he's improved yeah. Now, what about the attackers? <laughs> well, um, should we start handing out some awards? Well, people have been waiting for it, haven't they? Yeah, they have. Although, you know, obviously I'm uh, them anyway, because, uh, uh, you know, I put a poll up on Twitter to say, who do you want to do the intro to the pod? And and I came in a full Liberal Democrat. Yeah, you... Uh, you... Not Much acceptable. like Tottenham Hotspur managed to come third in the two-horse race somehow. Unbelievable. Oh, that's difficult. But listen, we're not going to hold that against the listeners who made the excellent choice of electing producer Tom to do the intro for this episode. Um, and we, we will hand out some awards. So uh, we'll start with goal of the season because I suppose that's a pretty easy one. Or have you got a radical alternative suggestion to Henrik Mkhitaryan's magical offside scorpion kick? <laughs> no, definitely uh, Henrik Mkhitaryan's magical offside scorpion kick. It wasn't offside. Yeah. Too good to uh, be offside. <laughs> I mean, there are a few others. I, I'd like to mention uh, a goal that wasn't nominated in the United uh, Awards, the main United Awards, but Zlatan's goal against Blackburn Rovers, the yeah. long ball from Paul Pogba and the wait, 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 bang. Beautiful goal. Yeah, it was real, real good. Um, any other Zlatan goals in the mix? Had a free kick in the League Cup final. Yeah, a few, you know, a few long-range daisy cutters. Yeah, uh, early in his uh, against Bournemouth, it's fine goal. Bournemouth was it? Southampton, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was. It was. It was a good goal, but not a great but I don't goal. think anyone would have given that goal a season. Yeah. No, uh, Lingard's like um, mega blaster against whoever it was, where he just kept running right. and running and running and blasted it into the back of the net again. A Borough, I think that was Borough away, maybe some decent goals, but it hasn't been a hasn't been a season of many goals or great loads of great goals. Well. 
I mean, there have actually been a lot of goals this season. Because we've played so many games, we've scored over 100 in all competitions. Yeah, but I don't think that's good. And that's, that's, uh, that's like Donald Trump saying he uh, won the Electoral College. It's not the point. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's sort of the opposite of that, because sadly, that is the point. <laughs> um, uh, you know, United average goals per game is not good. No, right? it's not. No, agreed. Agreed. Um, all right, so <laughs> best uh, expected S moment of the season, Ed. This is a brand new category for this season. Will you introduce it to the people? <laughs> yeah, um, uh, random conversation on Twitter today because uh, Diego Costa has uh, said he's not going to be at, um, at Chelsea next season. So I, uh, I proposed that maybe a cheeky bid was in order. One, because he's you know he's a fine striker, but also I think we need to up our Towsery quotient. Um, and uh, expected Towsery is low for United. We've only really got Ander. Although, it's not my Towsery moment uh, of the season. Uh, for me, the award, by miles and miles and miles, goes to Marcus Rashford for, Oi, are you the ref? <laughs> perfect, perfect winding up. Shh, are you the ref? Shh. That was still in Gridetti's head when he missed that chance late on in... Absolutely, he's totally done him. <laughs> totally done him with the mind games. Uh, I think it's... Um, was it? Oh, that might have been last season, the Ander Herrera pullback. Yeah, it was in the semi-final against Everton, wasn't it? The Ander Herrera pullback. So, yeah, we'll go, we'll go with that one. That seems reasonable. Ima- imagine, you know, uh, Costa, Pepe's available. <sighs> Resigns Zlatan, maybe a cheeky bit of a Busquets. Um, so that would one hell of a five-a-side team. What do you think it was Mourinho's worst decision of the season? Award for worst decision. Yeah, I mean, and there've been quite a few, and you listed a bunch of them. I, I, I think the one that was least becoming of him, and you know, and uh, the whole end of the season is close, um, and the way he treated Luke Shaw is close. You know, I mean, calling him out could have been a last ditch thing but saying he had no brain was not nice I think the worst one is the way he treated Bastion this is a World Cup winner a man with lots and lots of personal class um, uh, who didn't cause any trouble who just wasn't good enough for the team anymore and he sent him to play with the reserves it was humiliating and totally unnecessary yeah yeah, I, I agree that that was humiliating and totally unnecessary but I don't think I would call it his worst decision because I think it didn't really material. I mean, it was the least pleasant decision, but but it wasn't the one that materially affected United on on the pitch. And I, I think maybe uh, there's there's so many to choose from. I think his decision to prioritise defence over attack to such an extent in the big games is the thing that he did which I found most upsetting this season. Um, some of the personnel decisions and, and his kind of, his mismanagement of Martial and Mkhitaryan, which were kind of even worse in terms of their on-pitch effect than than the mishandling of Luke Shaw. There was, there was just a, a, a real creative drive that was missing uh, that could have been there for so much more of the season. Mm. But isn't that what we signed up for? Yeah, sure. Yeah, and we did win trophies, and that was nice. So, on that note, what do you think his best decision of the season was? Uh, playing Fellaini at number 10 in the Europa League final? <laughs> no, no, no. Um, I don't. And, and look, my answer is going to be obvious, um, uh, but it's to drop Wayne Rooney and build the team around Paul Pogba. 
Seven games into the season, he dropped Rooney first time. Now, obviously, Rooney came back into the team at the end for different reasons. Um, and by that time, it was tactical. But the big strategic decision was, it's the end of the Rooney era. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I wrote uh, an article the next day, in fact, saying that was the end of the Rooney era. And someone was like, oh, he's been dropped for one game. I was like, nope, that's the end of the Rooney era. There's no way back from there. The, I mean, his only way back to, to the first team was injuries and, and games that Mourinho didn't care about, basically, after that. And, you know, it's been obvious to all of us for a long time that Rooney's on his way out. And I, I agree. I think I think that was his best decision. But maybe, um, maybe another decision which I, I would give him plenty of credit for um, was just how much he used Marcus Rashford. Marcus Rashford made more appearances than any other United player this yeah, season. Yeah, I mean, of course, tons and tons of them from the bench, yeah. I mean, well, not, he, he used, I mean he used, you say tons and tons, but not like half or anything. You know, he started a lot of games as well, didn't he? He did, he, he, and he started a decent number up front towards the end of the season. Um, but a lot, a lot of the games he started was on the left, you know, and, and yes, he got a lot of minutes, but... Uh, I'm not sure how many minutes those minutes were productive. We'll see in the long term, but for a, a period of time, it appeared to affect Rashford's confidence, I think. You know, he's had a good end of the season, and I think in the end he can feel like it was a good season, didn't score anywhere near the amount of goals that he would have wanted to or perhaps would have done if he'd been playing up front. Um, but, um, yeah, uh, I mean, I, we'll see whether that's good progress or not. Depends a lot on the summer because if United are going to spend £100 million on a new striker, Mourinho's going to do nothing but but play one striker because that's what he does. It doesn't matter what the system is and Rashford's going to be out on the wing again. Yeah, and, and we'll, we will come on to have a conversation about that. But I guess to defend the, the mention of this as in Mourinho's good decisions is he could so easily have not given up on the kid, but, you know, made him really peripheral to United squad. And he could have Timothy Fosu mentored him pretty easily, um, but he didn't. He he said, OK, this kid is a Mourinho player, even though he's just a kid. And, and that's kind of a big deal, I think. So let's... Um, let's, let's uh, Let's rank some players, shall we? Um, I guess you have you done player rankings for every player in the squad. Yeah, okay. I did. Well, those who made more than ten appearance, starting appearances. Yeah, yeah. I, I've um, I because honestly, after writing three thousand words, I just couldn't do anymore. <laughs> um, I ranked everyone uh, in the United squad. I think I just left out. Um, I left out the kids basically uh, who who played. Um, in that last game and Fosu Mensa, but everyone else like, I right. ranked in order for uh, for Bleacher Report for their season. So th- this... I, I just, I'm not with the listicles, so I don't rank in no, order. of course not. You give marks out of 10, right? Much right. more scientific. Um, but ranking in order does mean I've got automatic picks for all these categories. So uh, Manchester United goalkeeper of the season, Ed. A, a genuine debate for once. A short debate, but well. a genuine one. It's a short debate. Actually, look at the stats. Romero's stats are great. His his numbers are very good. But um, yeah, clearly he's, he's he's he wasn't better than Dave. I mean, it's interesting the commentary around Dave because I don't think this season was much worse than any others. Um, I think there are players who've been better than um, Dave 
uh, in the totality of the season. But yeah, he hasn't. He's not made a lot of mistakes. There seem to be some games where his focus might have gone a little bit. Um, although I, I'm not sure I can really point to incidents that would prove that. Other than it's just a feeling. Um, yeah, there was. There, I can't think of the game, but I remember one particular goal where I was like, mm, "If he's playing well, he doesn't concede that." And there was just that, that feeling a few times. Yes, and and it's it's a hard one to prove yeah. with goalkeepers, isn't it? Exactly what they should or shouldn't have saved. Uh, but yeah, for for me, it's still an eight out of ten season. He's still one of the two finest keepers on the planet. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I, I guess I'd give him a little less than eight out of ten, maybe a seven and a half out of ten season, really, because part of that's by his own standards, though. But he, he was, he was, he was fine. Uh, Romero, though, definitely deserves praise for how well he did in the Europa League. I mean, whatever we think of the decision to play him in the Europa League, which remains completely surreal to me. Um, it, in the end, it worked out fine, and, and Romero had a fine a fine season as basically United's Europa League keeper. Um, it will be absolutely fascinating to see what happens if Dave, Dave stays next season. But goalkeeper of the season, once again, David De Gea, well done. But, well, I, I, can't, I can't think... Honestly, I cannot think of a single justification for playing Romero in the Champions League. But could you think of a single justification for playing Romero in the semi-finals and final of the Europa League this season? Well, there you go. So the fact that we can't think of justifications for it definitely doesn't mean it's not going to happen. And Mourinho has never explained it. No, he has not. No, he has not. All right, I think this one's maybe a bit tricky um, because I think there's a few candidates... Uh, but best defender, best United defender this season? No, I mean, for me, it's Valencia by miles. I don't think it's that tricky at all. Um, he's uh, he's had a perfect season for a right-back. Uh, he's very good attacking. He's become a much better defender. He works harder than anyone else. He's become a leader. Um, the, the transformation from him being this kind of tepid, scared winger to being a, a very fine fullback. Sign a new contract. He's going to be here for a few more years. You know, should have that position locked up. Should be very good for another couple of years. I mean, he's getting on a bit, of course. Um, so I think he's been excellent. Rojo was very good for a period, and he's made a lot of a lot of appearances this season. But um, you know, I don't think he was as excellent all the time. And all the others, you know, that you can find fault with all of them. So well, Blint has his Blint moments. Smalling was appalling. Uh, Luke Shaw has um, probably played his last game for the club. We'll see. Uh, Phil Jones, uh, he's he's missed two-thirds of the season through injury. Eric Bailly was very, very good. Very good. But I don't. I think maybe that's the debate that you made. Yeah, that's exa- that um, is exactly the debate I meant. I mean, I guess Marcus Rocco definitely deserves honourable mention here for, for excelling, like exceeding opportunities by miles. But the, the big injuries and big absences kind of cost him, I think, in the end to win, win the category. And I think if the award was best defending then it would go to Eric Bailly. Like, Eric Bailly has done the best defending of any United player yes. this season. Um, but the awards for best defender and right-backs are still categorised as defenders, even though that's starting to not really be relevant. Like, they obviously have to do some defending, but uh, Antonio Valencia is a flank unto himself, isn't he? He's he's United's entire right flank, um, and he's done it remarkably. In fact, I uh, I had him at number one in the, in the rankings this season. He's, he was... Uh, he was the the player that I I would have given player of the season to. I voted for him for player of the season, uh, and he came runner up in that award. Yeah, 
it's totally wrong. But, you know, all right. It, is it? <laughs> so would you give your player of the season to Man United's midfielder of the season? And, and who would that be? I would. And this is going to seem weird because, you know, in a way, Pogba's clearly the best player um, uh, in United's midfield. And there are times when he really showed it. You know, there's things he can do that no one else can do. Range of passing, ability to cover ground, um, his inventiveness in the final third, you know, ability to sort of totally dominate games, all of that he's shown, but not always, you know. So um, so my midfielder of the season, and in fact my player of the season would be Ander Herrera just because of the, the completeness of his performances over almost all the season when, I mean, Mourinho left him out the first few games, but when he came into the side, the stand of his performance, I think, has been very, very high right throughout the season. Yeah, and 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 I agree with every single bit of that. If you it's it's funny because it's almost the same as the by Valencia argument that the high points are Pogba's like the the best bits of midfielding this season have been done mostly by Paul Pogba. Um but Herrera's consistency's been superb and he's grown into the season as the season's gone along. He I guess plus his his XS <laughs> number is good. I mean, and he's become a real leader. Yeah, real leader. And I think we all assumed that Jose Mourinho would love under Herrera. I think that that seemed like a complete match made in heaven all along. I don't think maybe we assumed he would be the defensive man in a double pivot when he played four two three one. But uh, he's by by heck he's good at it, um, and he's absolutely beloved by the United faithful. Um, and deservedly so. The, the, there's a brilliant viral clip doing the rounds of um, Phil Jones and Ryan Giggs, uh, Phil Neville and Ryan Giggs analysing um, his season on some TV channel with Matt Holland, the former Ipswich player. And Matt Holland keeps going, he's no Carrick, is he? He hasn't got that pass in him. And and then Ryan Giggs is like, yeah, sometimes he doesn't put the ball in quick enough to the centre forward. And every time they say one of these things, the clip that they're watching shows him doing exactly what they say he doesn't do. Um, because he has played the killer ball plenty. 11 assists. 11 right, assists. there you go. Right, for the defensive yeah, midfielder. not bad. Not bad at all. Uh, that's across all competitions, is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's a, a good number. Um, it's, it's more assists than Ashley Young has got in his entire United <laughs> career. I, I don't know if that, that's actually true, but it might be. <laughs> um, uh, okay, so then, um, so that's midfielder of the year, and we haven't disagreed on either category. I guess we're probably not going to disagree on forward player of the year either, right? Rooney. Rooney. <laughs> no, I mean, it's clearly Zlatan. It's a, I, tried, I had a lot of trouble trying to score him, you know? So I gave him a 7.5 out of 10, which seems ridiculous for a man who scored 28 goals. What kind of, you know, parsimonious bastard am I with the, with the scoring? But the performance level hasn't actually always been that high and quite often very poor, but he scores the goals and he scores some brilliant ones. And he came into the team and he revitalised a lot of players, I think, you know, just his confidence and leadership. Um, And, uh, and those goals have been absolutely vital. I mean, given how few United goals uh, there actually have been across all competitions this season, um, those 28 have been really, really important. And he missed the last sort of 10 games of the season as well. Yeah, and he would have got another ten goals or whatever probably in that time. You'd imagine not that he's scoring a goal a game, but but you'd imagine he would have got more important goals late in the season. 
I think the the League Cup final is was Latan Day, wasn't it? It was like that was that bit of silverware was the bit of silverware we most uh, indebted to Zlatan. Although he was vital in the Europa League campaign as well, it's so easy to forget uh, a contribution like that um, after after when you lose him for the last third of the season, or not even third, but the last I don't know sixth of the season or whatever it was. It felt like he was out for longer than that to me. Did it to you? It felt like it was like a long time since we lost Latan. Yeah, but that's the that's the human psychology, isn't it? You remember the last thing in the highlights. So yeah, um, well, uh, he was he was a lot of the highlights. He was a lot um, of the highlights this season. Yeah, yeah, but lots of goals and performances, which were a bit yeah, yeah. Yeah. Will we ever see him in red again? See, nah. We get the released and retained list uh, tomorrow, so Friday. All, um, the, all the journalists have been briefed that he's not going to be on the retained list. So No, and it wouldn't make much sense. I mean, you know, one, he's been, he's been dallying on this, so it seems like he has other ideas and options, but who knows what he's going to come back like. I mean, um, most players come back from this injury now. Uh, because medical care is so good, but he is—he is old, uh, and offering him a one-year contract when he's going to miss at least half that that year with injury—you know—it's like basically giving him ten million pounds of free money. Yeah, not great value. No, to come back into a season in January when at that point you'd really hope that the team wouldn't need a thirty-six-year-old striker. You know, I mean, if United needs Latan in January next season, something's gone really badly wrong, regardless of its quality. Um, I guess if he'd already signed his contract, then it'd be like a massive bonus to have him coming back in 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 January. But it just doesn't make any economic sense whatsoever. Not that United have to necessarily make decisions that just make economic sense, but I mean, it just it would be there'd be so many questions about it, and and it's not clear. Even what level of, like you say, how is he going to come back from this injury? All that stuff, but but definitely. Tell you what, it'll be interesting next season. Who who are the leaders at United next season? So if Zlatan goes, Rooney goes, Carrick will be. You know, he's got an extra year's contract, and he is he is kind of leading because he's been there for so long. But he's presumably not going to play that much. Um, I mean, Ander will uh, emerge as a leader. We'll get a new club captain to be decided. Um, but be missing a bit of bit of that. I wonder whether um, uh, Mourinho will decide to bring in some real characters. Mm. I mean, there are still plenty of characters in the dressing room and plenty of character in the dressing room. And the fact that they've now won three trophies in two seasons does put them, you know, does get them in the winning habit. And the fact that they've been in three finals and won them all does speak highly of their kind of winning mentality, although the league performance called that into question, didn't it? Um, who would you give the Player of the Season award to then out of those four players that we've given best goalkeeper, defender, midfielder and attacker to? Which one of them gets best Player of the Season? Well, it's Herrera for me. Okay. Um, uh, but it's a close one, isn't it? You know, I, I know a lot of, uh, I mean, I think Gary Neville said that Valencia's, Valencia should be United's Player of the Season. The players gave Valencia the Player of the Season. But uh, maybe I'm just won over by Herrera's sort of, you know, all-round game and personality, but uh, for me, he was the uh, United player of the season. I think the, the the kind of knock against Herrera winning it might be 
just that there was a little less consistency early in the season. He did kind of, there were a few games in which he struggled and, and Valencia's hardly struggled all season. He's hit this kind of level of consistency throughout the season that, that is really kind of impressive. Um, I, I didn't know how to pick, basically I, I, I think that my top five of the season overall were Bayi Ibrahimovic, um, Bayi Pogba, Ibrahimovic, uh, Herrera and Valencia. And for the top four, even Pogba, I could conceive of an argument for them to win player of the season. Um, I gave it to Valencia just, just on that basis of consistency. But do you know what, Ed? I'm happy to uh, to seed this one. I think I think I might have argued vociferously in past seasons, but this time um, I'm happy for the rank cast player of the season award to go to under Herrera. Well done. I'm sure he's very proud. Yeah, we'll send him be. it. Yeah, we'll send him a CD of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> CD? Very old. Vinyl. We'll, yeah, we'll exactly. get it cut onto exactly. a 12-inch. All right, uh, yeah. And the, the B-side can have a breakbeat over the top of it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> show my age there. Um, um, uh, yeah, I mean, interesting, you know, you, you said your top five there. Add, add De Gea into it, and that should be a top spine. So why did United only finish sixth in the Premier League? Well, I think the um, there, there are a couple of reasons. One... Ibrahimovic's profligacy was a massive factor. Yeah. Uh, two um, parts of that spine were missing from several crucial games. Uh, three parts of it froze. Well, Pogba froze a couple of times in in key moments of the season, and then the most important supporting players got a lot of injuries as well. So, you know, the spine on its own can't do the job. There was so little consistency with the back four in particular. Like the the final of the Champions League, of the Europa League, that's the first time that back four had ever played together. Um, so it's, you know, there is, or the first time they played together this season, certainly. So I think, I think you know, injuries, profligacy, and a lack of ambition, when the Europa League kind of completely took over... Um, I think those are the, the, the things that combine to United's final league position. All right. So the the question after this is, uh, what comes next? You know, what's what is Mourinho's to do list over the summer? Uh, part of it's going to be in the transfer market, but it can't all be the transfer market, can it? I mean, do you have a sense? Okay, a few questions here. What's his top five things he has to do over the summer? Um, and and. Where's he headed? What's the vision? Or what does a Mourinho side that's really good look like? Okay, so top five things to do over the summer. Uh, I don't know the transfer market. Do we are we are we breaking that out into categories? Are we saying like a centre back is one thing on that list, or are we saying just get the the squad right is is one of the things on that list? Yeah, I think there's more than. Um... You know, there are some key decisions to make in the transfer market. Replacement as Latan, new centre-back, what do you do about the full-back? So all of that kind of stuff. But, you know, it's kind of rolls into let's get the recruitment right. OK. There are, other, and then, there are other things to sort out, though, aren't there? Yeah, he's also got to get the departures right, too. Um, uh, not too many, but not too few either. I, I don't even know who. I mean, obviously, we have to assume Rooney's going to go. 
because the player basically, he basically said himself in the mix zone after the Europa League final that, you know, um, he's, you know, he's more or less made a decision on what his future is going to hold. And it seemed pretty clear from, from what he was talking about that he's going to go. And why wouldn't he? And I tell you what, we've given Rooney a lot of stick on this podcast for many years, but my goodness, he deserves respect for the way he's handled himself this season. It would have been so easy for him to be mardy about it, leaking stories, all that kind of stuff didn't do any of that he just got on with it was incredibly publicly supportive of the rest of the team really took the kind of pastoral role of club captain seriously or, or certainly seemed to from the outside looking in and and I, I think it does speak well of his character you could say oh what choices he got but he could have just been Mardi you know yeah yeah no I I, I fully agree with you I think uh he is taking it very well he's been a professional he obviously has enough self-awareness now, in his older years, um, to realise the state his sort of career is in and his, the limits of his performance ability, you know, and and, uh, and he's been very professional about it. You know, he's taken it, he said all the right things, he said they, he wants to play, that, uh, you know, he's going to do everything for the team. All, he's, done it, he's done it right. And, um, you know, I wonder whether there was a private conversation between him and Mourinho in which Mourinho said, yeah, you're not going to play much, but you're going to play enough. Um, and this is why. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, <laughs> having said nice things about him, it's probably worth saying he might have been the worst player on the pitch at the Michael Carrick. Testimony. Wow. I mean, I tell you, when, when Clarence Seedorf, aged 400, uh, completely outshines you. And, Robbie, oh, and look sharper and quicker. Robbie Keane is definitely in better nick than Wayne Rooney. Like, not, not nick as in physical condition. I don't think Rooney's fitness, like, physically, I think he looks very fit physically, but his, his movement has got real laboured and his touch has obviously gone. Um, yeah. But anyway, that was fun that day, by the way, seeing Patrice Evra hug Alex Ferguson on the Old Trafford pitch. I, uh, I may have got a bit uh, moist-eyed at that. It was... Uh, it was quite well. You know, the um, the pollen count was high that yeah, day. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It, it really was. Um, uh, so it, we think he's got to get the recruitment in right and the recruitment out right. That's one and yeah. two. And and the recruitment in is definitely a new striker. Well, okay. and, and that's a hard. I know. I know. You know. I and it's a hard one, isn't it? Because um, Martial and Rashford. You, I'd love them both to have a go there. Yeah. Um, but that's hell of it's a hell of a risk given the season they both had last season um, to uh, risk United's Champions League and Premier League, and it's got to be an assault on the, the title, you know, um, of some a decent a decent attempt next season um, to risk it on a couple of teenagers or one teenager and one just out. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. But then. But then you sign a, a top quality number nine. Right, and you're saying goodbye to one or both of those players, basically. Yeah, I mean, not from the squad. You can you can keep them all in the squad. Like, that's... Uh, but, but you're not going to play them up front. No. Except and, in and secondary you're games. Gonna, you're losing out something. I mean, I, I know we've talked about this all the time. My theory is that you lose slightly less from Martial playing him on the left relative to the centre than you do from playing Rashford out there. But 
but what we've seen this season is like they don't both play very often. Um, uh, they only both played once Ibrahimovic was. So what would your fix be for the the that then? You know, so United have to score more goals. There's got to, and and actually I think you know actually I think the the way United score more goals most is by getting the defence right. Um, maybe you know maybe this is just wishful thinking. It will give Mourinho the mental license to to. Uh, unlock the attack a little bit more, but I think they're going to need an attacking player of some kind. But doesn't doesn't the data suggest that that isn't really what the problem was in terms of United scoring this? I mean, if you and if you if you take a few key games, that was clearly what the problem was. The, the games against the, the top sides, but but you know, you you said about Mourinho's vision. My my theory about Mourinho's vision is that he's there to brush aside the weaker teams and play the way Man United should. Oh yeah, in those games, and then do Mourinho ball in the big games. Like that's my theory about what his general vision is. But to come back to the the question of how you solve the attack, United created so many chances this season. All the data says that they created easily enough quality chances to be well ahead of where they were in the league and the profligacy in attack was the was the big problem mm. so well I know and all those data nodes would say that the answer then is not Marcus Rashford up front well, <laughs> they would but that's um no they wouldn't actually they just said that he was outperforming his XG in his earliest years like when he was first coming through but anyway that's the 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 t- Outperforming his excess as well. <laughs> Shh, are you the ref? Um, the I don't know what the answer is. I mean, actually, of course, the answer would have been Griezmann, right? Or that would have been a big part of the answer, although there would have been tactical problems there. It's very clear that that transfer was absolutely happening until Atletico got a transfer ban. I mean, you're still seeing some stories that maybe, maybe it's not entirely done, but I can't help feeling what they're really saying is maybe we could still harvest some media interest and clicks and shares by saying it's not really done because... Right, right, right. No, I, I think yeah. Let's uh, um, the hope kills you, and uh, you shouldn't hope for that one to happen. Yeah, um, I wonder whether the answer is not to instead of getting a pure number nine to get another attacking player. Yeah, um, which will give United the flexibility to. Uh, but you know, an attacking player takes his chances. Perhaps even the player who uh, some United fans hoped Marcus Rashford would be. Who, who do you mean, Kylian Mbappe? Yeah. <laughs> he's not coming United this summer, though. No, is he? he's not. He's not. But uh, hey, look, you're going to spunk 130 million on the player. You um, you picked him as the, your one signing when I asked you for that, for, for a Bleacher Report article. Well, I think, you know, look, it's illogical uh, in that it, uh, the, you're going to pay a mega, mega premium. But of course, he's so young that um, the, it retains transfer value, whatever that really means uh, now. Um for many years after, it would be hugely risky. Young player, new environment. Can't really expect the performance levels to to be as high as they were for Monaco this season. That said, he's got all of the tools. You know, incredible with the ball at his feet, great finisher, um, extremely flexible to play in more than one position, play off both feet, uh, appears to be a very intelligent forward. So, you know, he's not a pure number nine. He played most of his time from the left for Monaco. Um, but, yeah, it'd be very exciting. Uh, it would. So the other players that we've been linked with seriously in an attacking capacity are Morata, which that's the big story as we record this is will they, won't they with Morata. Um, Bellotti. Morata saying no. Yeah, but... right, at the moment. Um, but not in that kind of 
in quite as intense a way as Griezmann where, where, did. Where do, where do you stand on Morata? I mean, uh, yeah, um, uh, he played two years in in uh, Juventus where he was good, but didn't score bags and bags of goals. You know, he's not a 35-goal-a-season man, is he? Well, no, and where I stand on Morata is where I stand on most players uh, in most leagues, which is that I just haven't seen enough of him to... To know, I haven't like looked at the data either, really in depth. So um, I am definitely inclined to trust Mourinho. Although I'm sure Mourinho has made plenty of high-profile transfer mistakes in his time as well. You know, not every player he's ever bought as you know he was four for four last summer, basically. But I don't know whether we can necessarily expect him to be five for five or six for six this summer. No, no, no. But, you know, fees are, uh, given how much Premier League money there is and everyone knows it, fees are huge. Yeah, and you know? and I don't care at all about that. Like, people who go, well, I'd have him for 50 but not 70. I'm like, what What are you on? Yeah, that, I know, and, and, and I agree with you there. It doesn't make any sense. But, uh, I mean, I guess it depends on how much clubs really prepared to spend. Um, so, uh, is it 400 million? Then, yeah, who cares whether you spend 60 million pounds on Morata? I mean, Morata... 15 goals last season is his best season by miles in terms of numbers. Um, what about Bellotti, who's a, a player that... Um, uh, Statman Dave, um, Dave O'Brien, uh, he he messaged me and suggested that Bellotti would be his choice um, uh, because he's... Because actually United put in a lot of crosses last season and someone to get on the end of them would be real good and Bellotti can do that. Yeah, yeah so my sense of Bellotti was... Um, uh, is incomplete because I don't watch as much Italian football as I once did. Once, once did, um, uh, and my sense of when I'd seen him play before was that I wasn't sure whether he was really a nine or a nine and a half, and he looked like a converted winger who was playing up front. You know, he drifted into different positions all the time. Uh, look at his YouTube video of goals scored this season, and more than half are like next to or inside the six-yard box. So he's turned himself into a fox in the box. Yeah. Which I think is what Statman Dave is saying there. Yeah, and that is not a bad thing, is it? That would be that'd be quite quite a good mm. thing for United. You know, you know, I've got a I think there's quite a simple theory here. United should get the best forward they can possibly get. Uh, is that Romelu Lukaku? I look, you know what you're gonna get? He's he's proven in the Premier League. He's had a, just come off a very fine season. He is a streaky player. Yeah. And, and I wonder He is not gonna give you the same level of performance every single game. Definitely not. I wonder whether that doesn't we haven't rather got the squad to deal with that because in theory, at least, Mata, Martial, Rashford, Mikatarian, these are there's a lot of goals in the supporting cast here. Um, they weren't this season just gone, but there are. Those goals have not left their boots, as it were. They can all score a lot of goals in a season. Um, so maybe you can kind of ride the streak a little bit and, and then you just benefit from Lukaku's remarkable scoring rate. I mean, of course, what would be lovely is if Tottenham would accept a £200 million bid for Harry Kane. <laughs> yeah, and solve all your problems, you know, because he's a very fine finisher and very fine all-round player. Um, can do it in the Premier League. He's, uh, as he said, he's been a one-season wonder three seasons in a row. Uh, I thought it was a good line. I <laughs> uh, wonder whether he'd actually paid someone to write that yeah. for him. Um, it's been it's been doing the rounds that line. He, he I reckon he's seen yeah. it somewhere. <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. The only thing I'd say about Harry Kane is he does sound in interviews like he's been on the helium. He sounds like a nineteen. He looks like a nineteen thirty superhero, and he sounds like a nineteen thirties newspaper boy. <laughs> Yeah. Um, it's a strange, strange combination. Um, the the other. 
big name attack minded signing that has been linked to United vaguely, mostly I think just because this is a link that that won't go away. There's clearly been interest, and I think probably mutual interest for a long time, and that's of course Gareth Bale. Um, personally, this isn't particularly well informed, but my hunch would be for a hundred million pounds, which is I guess what we're talking about roughly for Bale, you'd want him to make very, very sure he definitely has two ankles still. Yeah. No, no, that's right. And he he had another problem with injury this season, which sort of spoiled the end of his season. He didn't start the Champions League final because he wasn't fully fit. They were so you know? good in that second half of that Champions League final, <laughs> yeah. weren't they? No, scarily good. Um, a very long way away from that uh, are we at the moment, but, you know, with ambitions to get there, I hope, maybe. Uh, so, yeah, look, Bale would be an excellent signing because he does score lots of goals. Uh, he is a great attacking player. He will create lots of assists, but the fitness record is a problem for you know, that kind of level of spending, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Although, uh, obviously, yeah, I mean, like, it, it, the the one thing he wouldn't do is get in the way of Martial and um, Rashford. But, you, I mean, just the players that we linked with make it pretty clear that United want a number nine, although that is not why they stopped trying to buy Griezmann, like... <laughs> that day when they're like, uh, we decided uh, we don't really want Anton Griezmann anymore. We're going to buy number nine instead, I think. And they briefed every journalist who all said exactly the same thing. And it was clearly nonsense. Yes. But look, it's the post-truth world, so what does it matter? Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. And then well, we won't go through the, the every position and every player that United have been linked with. But, I mean, in terms of non-transfer stuff, my my. Thing, the thing that Mourinho most needs to get right is um, is his mentality and how it relates to the squad. Like that that real togetherness that we saw after Stockholm and that kind of bond that he clearly has with some of his players. Um, we need to know that they all believe in themselves. They are all really taking seriously a, a, a proper run at the Premier League title. Yeah. Um, I mean... It's got to be the goal. Uh, so there's got to be the v- vision in terms of the checklist of achievements next season. This season was major trophy Champions League. Next season has to be run at the title and decent in the Champions League. You know, not yeah, embarrassing. Absolutely. Um, I think we'd accept a quarterfinal loss to Real Madrid or something like that. Yeah, I mean, also, like, so long as we really mount a serious title challenge, I don't mind if we le- exit the group stages so long as we don't finish third in the group. Like, that's... Hmm. A bit ununited that. I'm not sure if I can accept that. Um, <laughs> no, okay. But definitely, definitely a run at the title, you know, respectable uh, and sustained um, and some better football. I mean, when I say vision, I think it's more than like, here's, here's my list of goals. It's how you're going to get to them. And, and it yeah. cannot be playing the way United completed the season, you know? And I'm not sure I can, I, I even accept what you said about we'll play the way United play against crap sides and then against the top teams we're going to play Mourinho ball. You know, there's got to be, I mean, he wouldn't have, he could not have got away with that at Real Madrid, except in two matches a season against Barcelona, you know? Christ, Ed, have you seen the exit polls? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Come on! But anyway, never mind. Sorry. All right, so we fixed all United's problems. <laughs> well, I think we, we've got to about three of the five things. I mean, one of the things that um, uh, I think Rich Can said on I, I, I guessed it on a, a podcast called The Team of John O'Shea's uh, with uh, Red Voices is Rich Can. Uh, they're 
team of John O'Shea's are talking to people who support every club in the country over every Premier League club over the the summer and they they talked to us first it was great fun um well worth a listen because Rich is Rich is great on talking about United um and he was saying uh, that having a really good pre-season not like as in winning games but having a sensible sane pre-season would be massive because United came into the back of into this season off the back of you know an absolutely disastrous pre-season in terms of everything that happened in China and all that sort of thing Right, right. So that'll be that'll be kind of potentially important. Yeah, um, and, and summer prep, um, uh, they're going to be in the States. They get good facilities. They're not going to play too many games. Um, obviously, they get tons of commercial stuff. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's decent preparation. Um, I'm sure the club would have liked to have done business early, you know, wrapped up Michael Keane and Griezmann by now. Um, that's not happened. Um uh, you know, I guess they're going down their list of forwards. Griezmann, Moretta, Lukaku, Heskey, you know, uh, until Jamie, they get one. Jamie Jackson told Full-Time Devils that Mourinho was obsessed with um, with Lukaku, which we've not really seen that um, coming through. But Lukaku's basically done the Aiden Hazard and said he's chosen what, what team he's going to. Um, and my, my money would be on Chelsea at this point, but we'll, we'll see, I guess. Um, yeah, and he would be a perfect one-for-one replacement with um, with Costa. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, um, with Costa, did you say? Oh, yeah, yeah, right, if he goes to Chelsea, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, let's... Uh, I- I'd take Costa. <laughs> yeah, I know you would. He's Ed. an absolute <laughs> man, You love but... him so much, don't you? Um, but, yeah. He's a great player. He's a very good forward, perfect Mourinho forward, and he's an utter... <laughs> Just an utter <laughs> of a man so we made, who we, made, we would love if he was a United player. We made Tom record the opening and now you're making him break the beat button for, for your descriptions of, of Diego Costa. Hey, look, he may be a he's our or could be. Not yet, he's he not. He won't be. He won't be ever. He won't be ever. I'm kidding. All right, let's, uh, let's blast. As long as, look, just, just a final word on transfers. As long as this thing doesn't happen. Mourinho takes John Terry on a one-year contract. <laughs> it's not going to happen. It's just never going to happen. It was funny seeing him get booed at Old Trafford. At the, uh, at the, it was good. It was good. Um, they, they, he picked good, good baddies. Michael Carrick did. Uh, yes. Jamie Carragher absolutely clattering Gary Neville. <laughs> that was uh, one of the highlights of the evening, as was Gary Neville's shot, um, which was uh, very <laughs> yeah. funny. Get, get the iPad out and analyse that, Gary. The other thing is like Michael Carrick scored in his testimonial which I know everyone scores in their testimonial apart from Wayne Rooney um, <laughs> but but the fact that Carrick scored a screamer in its testimonial they definitely didn't let that in like no. he wasn't unmarked I mean Rooney set him up nicely yeah yeah, it was good yeah. it was lovely. his last assist of many in a red shirt yeah um, yeah. yeah yeah no uh, f- fine goal and uh, I, d- I didn't go to the game where you did and uh, the commentator said you couldn't write this script and I was thinking no no that's exactly <laughs> the script you would have written yeah. uh, Graham Carrick um, coming on was nice as well they look really similar from a distance from in the stands like you know how you kind of pick players out by uh, you can't see their faces necessarily that clearly so you pick them out by kind of build and the way they move uh, and, and there was a kind of definite family similarity there and there was a really nice moment when he like calmly chested the ball back to Edwin van der Sar. 
<laughs> That's like it runs. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's like uh, it's like how the Happy Mondays had Bez for years. We could, we could just have you know Graham <laughs> Carrick as a mascot. We or could. Um, I was sat in the press box, so it's next to the director's box, which is where Lisa Carrick was sitting, and it was lovely to see her reaction to uh, the goal, and also uh, to see his kid and him dabbing at each other. <laughs> that was that was really special. <laughs> anyway, let's do rank cast questions. Uh, at higher primate seven says, why isn't Ryan talking players that were at that game? Uh, why isn't Ryan Giggs a manager yet? Three years ago, he was apparently in contention for the United job and he hasn't managed a game since. No, interesting that, isn't it? You know, um, what's the word on the street in the world of football? I, I don't know, but it might be that people don't rate Giggs as highly as Giggs rates Giggs. Yeah, absolutely. That would seem to be the case. Uh, he still got it on the pitch, though. My goodness, he pulled off some skill. He's totally got it, yeah. He can still hack it as a player in the Premier League. Yeah, definitely. Uh, No no doubt about it, no doubt. He he definitely could. Um, His touch is is that good and his range of passing great. Uh, He should take a job as a coach is what he should do, working with a, a sound manager at a stable club. Yeah, somewhere like, I mean, I don't mean this club scale wise, but somewhere like Bournemouth with Eddie Howe would be good. But the problem is, if you bring gigs in at a club like that he's maybe a bit too much of a big figure behind the scenes isn't he you've got so it's more like you want him working for Ancelotti at Bayern Munich or whatever where he where he can't get the top job really so he's not going to be you know Machiavellian about it all and we know gigs he's Machiavellian don't we we do well we don't know he is we've just heard the knife is still in David Moyes's back at Oishin underscore Mac underscore Hugh um if Conservatives and Labour were football clubs. Who would they be and why? Chelsea would be the Tories, obviously. Um, and the Labour Party would be, I don't know, some sort of scrappy upstarts trying to make a difference in the Bournemouth. world. Bournemouth. <laughs> Come on. That's too small. You've gone too small there, Ed. Well, if you look at the polling. <laughs> I, f- I think there might be uh, Arsenal, sadly. <laughs> oh, no. I've upset myself here. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> um, you can tell we're recording on this on election night. At, ta- un- at underscore Taylor Ben says, which politician, past or present, would be the best fit for United manager? Um, I think, sadly, the answer might be, like, Tony Blair. Just- <laughs> well, you know, it, United are the Tony Blair of the football world. You know, perfectly squeaky clean and nicely corporate. But with a, a horrific dark side. Yeah, so we need some weapons of mass destruction. We should sign Ronaldo over the summer. <laughs> I, I did, like, part of me was thinking at the Carrick testimonial, there'd been this fake quote doing the rounds of Mourinho saying there might be a surprise this summer. And I was like, well, he was in Cardiff yesterday. The entire 2018 are here. Maybe Mourinho walks onto the pitch with Ronaldo at halftime. I've brought him home, lads. Ronnie's coming home. Uh, I mean, even though he's like old now, he's so ridiculous. He's got better, like not as an all-round player, but his contribution to his team has got even better because he doesn't kind of demand every single ball be passed to him anymore. He just puts the ball in the back of the net over and over and over and over again. I, I mean, he has reinvented himself so superbly Yeah, as a, as a number nine. Yeah. Oh, and a half, you know. Yeah. He, 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 he doesn't play as pure number nine for a rail, but... Nine and a quarter, I'd yeah. say, though, like because the half, it's not even a full half of other responsibilities. No, and, and um, he'll play for a long time doing that. He's very economical with his movement. Um, and, you know, he might not be able to score 50 goals at 
you know, Real Madrid level until he's 40. Uh, but he'll play for a long time if he wants. Um, at T-Shang says, on a scale of one to Zlatan, how much do you think Ibrahimovic regrets not signing the contract extension a few months back? No, I don't think he cares. You know, no. I think he probably had a plan in his head. Um, and he'll just execute on that plan six months later. Um, at bifurcated underscore MBM, best friend of the show, uh, says, if you could try any fictional piece of tech from a film or a video game, what would it be? What a great question that is. Um, oh, I think I'd want a replicator. That'd be pretty awesome, wouldn't uh, it? Earl Grey, hot. What, Patrick Stewart, what did you see? A replicator yeah. would be good. Um, I mean, and, you know, Star Trek kind of wins, I guess, because... Uh, the the teleporter thing. Well, you'd like it. It's a perfect socialist, you know, world, isn't <laughs> yeah, it's it? It's coming. Um, Universal basic income and free resource for everyone. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, a teleporter would be awesome. Um, from video games, the portal gun. On the subject of teleporters, the portal gun would be a ton of fun to play with. Um, I'm trying to think of. Oh, uh, like in Bionic Commando, the arm thing with the grappling hook that shot out of it. The grappling hook from Just Cause 2. Although you you would definitely die. Except the thing about the grappling hook, excuse me, talking video games for a second. Just Cause 2 is a brilliant open world video game, Ed. You'd like it, lots of explosions. Um, where you have a grappling hook that can you, that attaches to anything in the world and pulls you along. The best thing about it is when you jump out of a plane, if you don't deploy your parachute, when you get near the ground, you can just fire the grappling hook into the ground and it pulls you safely into land. So if I could get that, that would be pretty awesome, I think. Honestly, I just want a hoverboard from Back to the Future. Yes! Yes! The definitive correct answer, a replicator is more useful, but the proper hoverboard with power from Back to the Future 2. Yeah, that was the correct answer. Um, did you see the, uh, was it was it the Portuguese Cup final where the ball was delivered to the referee via hoverboard? It was basically a load of drones stuck together. It looked like a... Yeah, yeah. So that was, that was Very silly. Cool. I mean, when you say silly, you mean awesome, right? <laughs> yeah, as a man with several drones, as we've been discussing. Yeah. Um, do you think Mourinho's inclusion of Romero in the Europa League final was informed by his handling of Courtois and Czech, where Czech eventually left, says at Mark underscore E underscore F? I think... The... No, because in Courtois he had another world-class keeper. Yeah. And, and a better keeper by that point, because Czech yeah, had passed yeah, yeah. his best by that point. Yeah, and no, we're not in that situation with R- Romero, sorry. Not even close. Um, at MUFC Jeff says what is the thing you've seen on the pitch this year which reminds you of being 12 I love this question kind of most joy I mean the Mkhitaryan scorpion kick definitely just the complete childlike wonder when he scored that goal Um, that and maybe the the winner against Middlesbrough when we came back right at the end of the game Um, but yeah that that Mkhitaryan scorpion the noise in Old Trafford where 75,000 people went (gasps) oh before they all cheered like crazy. It was just amazing. Awesome. Um, do you feel, asks at Mavivek, um, that Mourinho and Sir Alex Ferguson have actually got a similar style of play, defending numbers and relying on quick players for attack? Dep- depends, you know, late-stage Fergie, yeah. You know, for, and as Rio Ferdinand said this season, you know, a bit, bit more practical and pragmatic in the last three seasons. You know, he did what needed to be done to be won. I'm not sure and someone out there will have the data or can be bothered to look it up to prove me wrong. I'm not sure there were very many times, possibly less than five ever in a thousand games, where United had 30% possession, and United have done that several times this season. Yeah, 
Uh, no, I, I agree. Uh, the character testimonial was really interesting because Fergie just played 4-4-2 with both uh, fullbacks bombing forward. Now, obviously, it's a testimonial, but it was quite funny to see, to, like, see Evera was halfway up the pitch and look over at where the other fullback was and, like, sure enough, they'd left Rio and Vidic to deal with it on their own. It was... As they did. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I think that is a big difference. One, one fullback goes, one stays. So he did get a bit more pragmatic, Fergie, but he never quite... Like you mentioned, there's, there's probably less than five games when United had 30% possession. The other thing is, I don't... Think, I think we can count on the fingers of one hand how many times he ever played a back six uh, for any length of time. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I mean, and we shouldn't hope too much because we knew what we were getting. Yeah. I, you just hope that somehow Mourinho bends to the will of the club. Because he could produce a very good attacking side. He did it at Real Madrid. Yeah, Absolutely. At Joey M underscore UX says, I'm going to continue to sing United are going to Stockholm for another 17 years. It's catching. I love it. Is that acceptable? Uh, there were people singing because United have won in Stockholm uh, at the Carrick thing. So, you know, maybe it'll be around, but I think it'll probably die off. But yes, it's... I'd like to go to more Euro ways. Yeah. You know. Maybe let's try and get to one next yeah. season. Yeah, that'd yeah. be good. Uh, I mean, I'm not in the loyalty part because I don't... I definitely don't get to as many, you know... International travel with work and three kids don't get to as many games as I once did. Um, but, hey. We might be able to find a way. We know people who know people. Um, at mango underscore carrot says, do you prefer podcasting with Ed or Rich Can? Uh, that's a reference to that aforementioned guest appearance on Team of John O'Shea. Obviously, Ed, but Rich Can is real fun to talk to about United. Um, at Rich Can 76 on Twitter. He has good opinions and he expresses them excellently, in my opinion. Such a pothole. Yeah. I love it. Like honestly, when I started doing podcasting, one of the things I really hoped for is that one day people would ask me to do guest appearances on other podcasts. I mean, to be fair, you know, if we went back to your your seven year old self, yeah, I didn't know what a podcast was then, no, because it hadn't been invented, yeah. But projecting forward to now, yeah, I would have said you'd love doing podcasts. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, agreed, agreed. Um, uh, at Kevin Leahy wants to know whether we need a US noodles partner company to get us uh, on the summer tour of the US. If we need a sponsor, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm going to be in the I'm going to be in the states for a long time over the summer, but the wrong part of the summer. Ah, right. Uh, okay. So yeah, I will. Um, I'll miss the start of the season. Oh right. Oh, that's um, awkward. You should be. It is awkward, rather. I mean, you know, it's not difficult watching it, except for timing. But um, yeah, I will. Um, I will. I will be in the states from sort of mid-August, mid-September. If anyone would like to hook up in uh, Seattle or San Francisco, he's just to be clear when he says hook up. Just want to be real clear. He'll be Four there with beers. his wife and family. <laughs> yes. Yes. Four beers. <laughs> nod, nod, wink, wink. At Gary underscore 1105 says, aside from a two-month self-induced coma, is there any way to avoid a summer of mind-numbing transfer rumours? Stay off Twitter. Stay off social media. That's what, where is, they what, live. Is there any football on this summer? Confederations I mean, Cup. It's, it's MLS and, and uh, MLS. Mm, Confederations Cup. Con, Confed Cup, is it? Oh, yeah, that'd be all right. I'm not watching mm. it. I don't know no? whether I've fully decided to boycott the World Cup yet, but I'm definitely at least doing the really meaningless thing of boycotting the uh, pre-World Cup tournament in Russia. FIFA are just disgusting. So. Oh, of course they're disgusting. And, you know, you, I, I don't know what despotic uh, but wealthy regime the World Cup after 2022 goes to, but it'll be going there. Well, I don't know what despotic and chaotic regime the World Cup in 2022 is going to go to now, but let's not talk about geopolitics to 
too much today. Yeah, although there was some talk about um, perhaps the 2026 World Cup coming to uh, the UK, so a despotic uh, and corrupt <laughs> regime. Listen, the exit polls are out, Ed. It might not be. Anyway, um, who was the David May of the Europa League celebrations? Timothy Fosumensa. Giving it large, wasn't he? Oh, as well he should, a lovely lad. But the Crutch crew, the general, the whole Crutch gang, like it was pretty noticeable that there were just a lot of United players on crutches at that thing. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was hilarious. They were all lined up, yeah. um, ready to hobble on at the <laughs> final whistle. All in club suits, except Latan, who was just oh, like... Oh, of course, he was in his uh, pyjamas, yeah. <laughs> Um, at comedic underscore hermit says which venue had the worst pre-match playlist this season I'll tell you what I don't know who had the worst but Bournemouth was banger after banger after banger it was very 90s in Bournemouth um, I felt very at home uh, so so I don't I don't I can't remember which one had the worst pre- pre-match playlist but yeah Bournemouth definitely won um, uh, Alan Keegan was doing the uh the announcing at the Friends Arena. Right. And uh, <laughs> it was just, he was Pete Keegan. He really was. Did he call um, it Old Trafford by accident at any No, point? he didn't. <laughs> no, he didn't. But, um, you know, he's got this particular style of delivery, Old Trafford. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, welcome to the Europa League final, where respect for the referee is due. <laughs> Thank you and enjoy the spectacle of Manchester United, you know, and all of that. I think we should get you today. I saw Alan Keegan outside Old Trafford. And I think I'd do it pretty well. I thought about asking him should for I a, a quick throw interview. throw my hand to the ring? Yeah, no, I'd, I'd Does it pay me. well? There's no. at least, in total, about four minutes worth of work. <laughs> Once um, a week. No, you've got, to, you've got to call the penalty shoot outs at half-time. Give him a good clap, East End. Uh, Angel Gomez for Angel Go Angel, not Angle. Got to self-correct every time I do that because I'm trying to get in the habit. Angel Gomez for captain says at Mickey uh, Mickey Mike Osterdal. Um Got on the pitch. That's very nice. It didn't was lovely. Have what you know, all of about three seconds on the pitch. Did he actually touch the ball? Oh, we didn't talk about that game because we recorded the preview afterwards. That game was a gosh darn delight. Uh, yes, Dimitri Mitchell. Was Absolutely outstanding. Uh, and Josh Harrop, like, we don't need to buy a left back. Just play Cameron Borthwick, Jackson and Dimitri Mitchell there next season. Yeah, I mean, remarkable, remarkable turnaround in Mitchell because he was he was a forward two years ago. Yeah. You know, had an injury, converted to left back and uh, uh, looks like he's got a future there. And Josh Harrop's calmness and kind of uh, his preparedness to go for it like his courage basically it was you know Rooney was in a really good position to receive a pass when Harrop hit that ball into the back of the net but he was Harrop was always going to larrop it um it was lovely um that game changed so much when Pogba went off at halftime it was a microcosm of our season like with Pogba looked great without him pretty average but Mourinho was weird in that like he played Axel Twanzebe in attacking midfield in the second half of that game and then he did the weird thing of not going for a walk around the pitch with the players which we later found out was so he could do the press conference before any of the journalists had come in and go, any questions? And there's just like two people in there and they like look a bit stunned and then he walks out. Outrageous. But yeah, of course, they then he won the Europa League and it was all fine. Uh, do you think Michael Carrick would make an excellent manager one day? Asks at Rich Savile. Um, he seems like a very intelligent uh, student of the game. See, you know, I don't know. I, I'm working off some kind of conscious bias there, but um, uh, yeah, I think I think he would make a. Would he have the ruthlessness 
We, we didn't think about Marquis being ruthless as a manager, though, because he was always very quiet and kind of studious type, even though he's a beast on the pitch. Yeah, and I think you do need to have a degree of ruthlessness to stay at the top that long. Yeah, no, that's right. That's right. Um, All the critics Carrick's had, but he's been at the club 10 years and it's been a, a, a really, really, really fine career for United. Yeah, I mean, I, I have doubts about how useful he's going to be next season, but I guess given who's going to leave this summer, there's no real harm in giving him another year. Hey, I mean, you said he was going to have his no, uh, no, Neville I didn't. moment. Shush, shush. Yes, you did. That was yes, just for did. the WhatsApp, Ed, just for the WhatsApp. No no, 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 you didn't say off the record, so, you know, I fair quoting, uh, you said he's going to have his Neville moment. Having watched Neville in that testimonial. I mean, Neville had his own Neville moment. <laughs> Unbelievable. Bringing the, you, you can't bring the WhatsApp onto the show. That's like, that's one of the golden rules. The WhatsApp is sacred. Um, okay. Is that, is that the wrong name? It's all off the record. <laughs> at Will, what happens on WhatsApp stays on WhatsApp. <laughs> at Will Robinson 97 says, has Marcus Rashford overtaken Danny Welbeck yet as your favourite United number 19? Yeah, probably, yeah. Um... Uh, do we already have enough for the number 10 role, says at Stierg, uh, Matty, uh, from Belgium, who says uh, it was very helpful to me when I had to write stuff about Club Brugge a long time ago. Um, Mata, Mkhitaryan and Andres Pereira all more than able to play there. And Rashford uh, even w- w- can... Yeah, yeah. So- yeah, I, I mean, I think actually, actually this season we've seen a lot of Rashford's all-round game. Um, I mean, you know, he wasn't really a number nine uh, at any youth level um, until sort of later in the, his youth career. So... Uh, sure, yes, logically. I don't think in Mourinho's mind, though. You know, yes, Mkhitaryan, Mata, um, Pereira, not sure that's going to happen. Others could play that. Uh, I think um, Mourinho wouldn't be going after Anton Griezmann if he was totally happy with the options he's got. Um, Adam at 50-50 says, which United player has the most impressive trophy haul? Uh, quantity, assortment or Premier League titles the most important? Listen, the answer to... Oh, God, yeah, God exactly. Gigs, he it? has all of them, all the trophies and the most of them, two Champions Leagues, 13 Premier League titles, a load of FA Cups. It's, it's gigs by miles. Hasn't got a Europa no, League, though, has nah. it? Um, Michael Carrick, it was lovely seeing um, the FA Cup and the Europa League sat on the on on the table of, of trophies that Carrick had won. It was, it was good that that FA Cup got in there, particularly. Um, uh, <laughs> which player and musical artist would you like to see revealed on United social media accounts in August? Uh, also, have a lovely summer, says at Cryptic Android. Thanks. Thanks, June. Um... I would like to see. I don't know. It was Griezmann. Like now, I just don't care about who we sign now. None of. I don't care about any of them. I'm sure I'll learn to love them, but none of them are my cousin Antoine. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, musical musical artists. I don't know. I'd quite like to see one matter on tour with David Gilmore or something. <laughs> um, he, and he probably would do it as well. Yeah. Uh, and just a question that's just got in under the wire before we stop recording. Uh, Andrew Hardiman at Hey Hardiman. Diego Costa, would you sign him? Cough, Ed. <laughs> We've made your feelings abundantly clear about that, haven't you, already? Um, so I guess that's it, right? It is for another season. What, what are the plans for the pod over the summer? We're going to do a few interviews now and again and put those up on the feed. Yeah, we, we're going to do a few interviews. We're also um, going to... I mean, should we should we say we'll touch base a couple of times during the summer? Yeah. Yeah, we've never done that before, but... Touch we, base. You actually said that. Those, those words actually came out of your mouth. That's all right, isn't it? 
That's all right. Not touching my base, mate. <laughs> Come on. Um, but yeah, uh, so um, it'd be... Uh... Will we be thinking outside of the box? <laughs> I'd like some blue sky touching base. I don't put touch base in that category. Maybe I should. Maybe I've been wrong all these years. Is, is touch base that kind of awful management speak to you, Ed? No, I, I honestly, I hear all of that all of the time. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to like synergistically approach this uh, situation. Yeah, with some I blue have. Sky thinking. Yeah. All right. Um, so projecting forward <laughs> to the summer. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll do we'll do some stuff. I've got uh, one interview lined up already, um, which will hopefully come out in, in a week or so or a week or two, um, and then I'll, I'll try and do some more in the summer, and, and we'll speak in a few weeks' time. Not like every week or anything, but we'll we'll make sure your rank cast feeds aren't empty over the summer. Very good, and it's been a pleasure getting all your questions this season. Even if you didn't vote for me in the crucial poll that was being held today on who should do the intro. Yeah, but we. I mean, I was advocating pretty hard for a strong pro-Tom platform, to I, And so was I voted for him. <laughs> yeah, there you go. See? See? So, so, uh, and by the way, it wouldn't be an end-of-season show if we did not thank from the bottom of our hearts producer Tom, without whom this show would definitely not exist. So massive thanks. Oh, talking of Rank Car Summer Plans, Summer Meet Up. Right. We must do it. Before you go away, we've got to do it. We've promised the people, Ed. Promised the people Um, and we must deliver. And talking of promised the people, we've promised uh, some of the people some bonus content. So uh, we better get on with recording that. Everyone else will speak to you in a couple of weeks. And if you take a break from the rank cars for the summer, have a lovely summer. See you.